You're listening to the King of the Fourth podcast, offering in-depth analysis on all things Boston Celtics with your hosts, Jim and Mike Quigley. All right, everyone. Welcome to another great episode of King of the Fourth podcast. I think Jim and I have made it three straight weeks now with a episode. We're really excited tonight as we can reflect back on yesterday's game as Probably the best win of the season for the Celtics. Just a tough, gritty win, as Jimmy put it last night over our text messages. Grant Williams defensively was awesome. I was telling Jim last night, I think Grant's going to score 20 for them to win. He's going to be aggressive on offense. Came out and scored 16. He was aggressive. He was going to the hole. He was making good passes. He hit some outside shots. I just want to give a shout out to him because he's been really struggling. There's been a lot of talk about him getting traded. I don't know if it was impacting his game, but the team needed him last night. And he, he and Cornette and Hauser, just on both ends of the floor, Derek White, a lot to break down in that game. Uh, and, and really a disappointing loss for Philadelphia, who I think disrespected the Celtics a little bit with their effort in parts of that game to keep the Celtics in it, and it came back to bite them. And then wouldn't you know, Jim, wake up this morning – and a huge trade in the NBA, and then a confusing trade in the NBA, which I think both impact the Celtics. So I'm really excited to kind of dive in, Jim, and I'll let you take us for wherever you want to start with, with trade deadline talk. Uh, today's a big day in the NBA, or if you want to break down what was an awesome win last night in the game, I went into it thinking Joel Embiid was going to score 60, and the Celtics really suffocated him and did a tremendous job on him defensively and even made James Harden work. I just can't get over how impressed I am with that win last night. Yeah, it was a great win. It was a costly win. Um, they, uh, in the process, lose James uh, Jalen Brown for, um, I, I would assume, at least through the All-Star break, whether he plays when they come back with a mask on and all with a facial fracture is to be determined on. You know, he took friendly fire from an elbow. Yeah from Jason Tatum as they were both making an aggressive play for a rebound. Um, so that, that you know, don't want to start off with the downer, but that's the most significant piece. Um, and, you know, you got Memphis and Milwaukee coming up on the schedule and you, you won't have him. Um, and, uh, you know, just going to have to try to find a way to, you know, over these last four, hopefully go two and two. But yep. I think as in regards to last night, it, it was it was a combination of a lot of different things that you know opened up the you know really gutsy gritty win for the Celtics. First, uh, I thought the defense team defense was fantastic, uh, particularly Grant's defense on Embiid. You know, doing what he did, giving Embiid um, you know six seven inches, and you know able to push him out of the box all night long and, and doing it without following was. Um, Really impressive. They, in similar to what he did last year at the end of the season, when um, you know the Celtics were down Tice and Horford and Rob was out, and they were able to get a win in Philly. So what he was able to do was really, really impressive. And, and then on the whole, the Celtics, you know, sending doubles from the corner to give help when was needed. I thought confused Philly. And then the Celtics were able to, while in rotation, get off and run Philly off that three-point line pretty much all night. All night. Uh, there was hardly any open three-point look. So defensively, um, 
just individual and team de- defenses. They were really locked in. I, Can I make two I more comments, Jim? Sure. Um, my first one, I know you don't like him, but James Harden is awesome. When we talk about running guys off the three-point line, some of the threes he hit last night were timely and just disgusting. And then my second point, talk about timely hoops by the Boston Celtics. Coming out of a timeout with maybe under a second on the shot clock to do an inbound play to Cornette for a dunk, I felt like they had plays like that a lot last night where it led to like a very timely basket. Just really good sets, really good coaching. There was another set where they freed up Jason Tatum and he went to the hoop and he got fouled. They set some screens for him out of a timeout. And to me, that was, that's been an area where they've struggled for a couple of weeks now. And maybe they solved something last night because they were really, they were really locked in just to what they were doing last night. Yeah, give Missoula credit. That was a huge play out of the timeout. I'm not sure what Thibault was doing after Tatum uh, set a really good screen on B to free up Cornette with, you know, out of the, you know, underneath the basket and with less than a second on the shot clock. Thibault never switched out on Cornette and just gave him a runway for the alley-oop dunk. But it, it was a really good set. And, um, you know, and obviously he had the money to play. What was interesting, too, is I, I thought Doc Rivers, um, you know, his strategy going into this was you know, I wasn't going to let Jason Tatum be, be does. And he doubled and trapped all night. And as a result, they didn't – Philly didn't cover a three-point shot. I mean, the Celtics shot yeah. three from three, but hardly any of them were guarded. It was I really know, interesting. Sam was wide open, like, every time. They were all open shots. I, I don't think Blake Griffin had one shot contested. Um, Grant had a lot of open looks. Hauser, you mentioned. I did think they put some ball pressure on White and Brogdon, um, but they, they, there was a there was um, an obvious um, impotence on trapping Tatum and getting the ball out of his hands. And as a result, you know, through three quarters, they were able to. I get any shot they wanted. Now, Doc did change that up in the fourth, and he defended Tatum Tatum one-on-one. And um, I thought it was a smart move because Tatum obviously wasn't in any type of shooting rhythm as he was a playmaker. And and Tatum did a great job all night of out of those doubles, being very patient, letting the double come to him, taking either making the pass for the assist or the hockey assist. but the Celtics at that point when they made the change were up 10 and they were able to get timely hoops here or there and continue the defense and Philly was never able to capitalize. I mean, the, the, I think the only real turnover the Celtics had down the stretch of the fourth quarter was a 24-second violation with under two minutes to go, which in some ways is better than a missed shot. So I, I it was just a really tough one. Guys stepped up from... Blake Griffin to Grant Williams, who was the player of the game. Um, Derek White was awesome again, and I, I just love him as a player. You know, we talked about last trade deadline. Did they give up too much? They absolutely did not. I, I think he he's sacrificing so much of his game for the betterment of the team right now, and he's just been fantastic all season long on both ends of the court. And then, um, you know, Sam Hauser seems to get his, has his stroke back. He got in Detroit and continued last night, you know. Yeah, and it's like with his stroke came his swagger. With with Hauser, it's it's like his swagger came with his stroke because his 
his defense the last two games have I've been impressed. He got called for a foul in Detroit where he just played such good defense along the baseline. It was a horrible call. But you just saw how pumped up he's he's been and it's I'm happy for him to get out of that slump. And the Celtics are a different team when he's hitting shots. When Hauser's hitting hitting his threes, the Celtics are really, really hard to beat. So I agree, Jim. It was a great win. And the the only downfall from this is you know, you already have Marcus Smart out for an extended period of time, and I don't feel like we have a real idea of when he's coming back. And, um, you know, this facial injury, I have no idea what Jalen Brown's going through. People say the all-stop break, but hopefully it's not longer. So the Celtics are going to be really tested here, and it, it could affect their standings at the end of the year with these tough matchups coming up. Um, so you mentioned hopefully they go two and two. I, I, I think, you know, this this game against Charlotte feels more important than it did before. I feel like it's kind of a must win coming up. I don't know if you feel the same way. Oh, I, I think it's one you want to have, but I don't know if there's any must wins before the all-star break. I really don't. Uh, yeah. You know, yeah. I think it's one you want to have help is way more important. Um, you know, Charlotte, there's a possibility that roster could be decimated depending on what happens later today. Exactly. Um, they have a bunch of guys on the block. They're also not a well-run organization, so they could walk out of this without making any deals at all. Um, so, you know, we'll be interested to see what happens. Um, but I, I think two and two is still doable. Uh, you know, I have no idea what the Alford injury is. My guess is, is that it's, you know, we'll see him back shortly. Um, same with Rob. I don't, I don't know you know, I guess they say just his ankle again. So I'm assuming we'll see him. Um, and then as you mentioned smart. There was a report yesterday that the swelling has subsided in this range of motion. So, uh, you know, uh, based off of that, I'm assuming that we'll see him either right before the all-star break or definitely, you know, the first game back. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, just want to share my initial reactions to last night's trade deadline. If you're ready to go there, uh, the Celtics obviously have a lot of injuries going on and maybe they'll add today because of that. Uh, they, they don't have a lot of assets. They don't have a lot of contracts, so it will be hard for them to make trades to improve. And it'll be putting Brad in a, a tough spot where is he going to sell away more of the future for this year? But overall last night, it definitely moved the landscape of the NBA, the Western conference. Phoenix has to be the favorite now, in my opinion, Kevin Durant and Devin Booker in the same lineup together with Deandre Ayton, not even having to give up Ayton in that trade to me is just incredible that they were able to pull that off. Brooklyn obviously is resetting, but I'd love to get your thoughts on it, Jim. I think Phoenix has is hands down the favorite to win the West now. And I, I do feel like they already presented the Celtics with some problems with their ability to slow the game down in their half-court defense with the size they have, not just in their starting lineup, but coming off the bench at the wing and obviously at the center position. Phoenix is a really a non-traditional NBA team now where they rely heavily on all their centers. How do you think that's going to impact not just the West, but potentially the Celtics? I think it was a really good trade for Phoenix. Obviously, um, they needed to take a shot. They were middling there for a while. Um, they've had some injuries, and uh, obviously, they um, 
you know, had some really bad losses throughout the year as well. Um, so getting Durant is, you know, you swing in for the fences and like you said, not having to give up Aiden. Um, I think from the Nets perspective, getting Mikel Bridges and a bunch of picks and, yeah. you know, probably going to be able to ship out Jay Crowder for another pick. Um, it gets you somewhere. Um, you couldn't keep going in the direction you were going. So I, I get it. Um, they unfortunately have that albatross of a contract that Simmons said, I, I don't think they, there's any possibility they can move. Um, yeah. But on on the whole, I thought, it, I thought it was a deal that worked for both sides. And I do think it makes the Suns the best team in the West. Um, certainly on paper, a lot of that has to do with the health, you know, health of Durant and health of Chris Paul as they're older players with some history of injuries. Uh, as it relates to the Celtics, I, th- I think it would be a great series. You know, um, Tatum certainly matches up against Durant better than anyone in the NBA. Uh, and the Suns, um, like you said, have size and a good half-court defense. The one thing they've been missing is kind of a killer instinct and in, in being able to step up in big moments. And does Durant give that to them? And so that's that's really would be an interesting series. Um, but they got a tough road ahead. You know, they're starting from the back of the West right now. Uh, so they're going to have to learn to come together as a team um, without a lot of practice time and, and figure things out out there. Uh, but uh, on paper, they, they're certainly the best, although I think they're going to have to do it, you know, probably a, a playoff run almost completely on the road, you know, which is never yeah, easy. Uh, never easy. Well, I don't know if it'll be completely on the road. I think they're only two games out of third place right now. So right now, Sacramento's oh. third out west. and They're they're not far behind Sacramento. They've won 8 of 10 going into this. Uh, and I don't think that I don't think Memphis is out of the question oh, you're right. to get the two seed. Yeah, you're right there. Yeah, yeah. I so mean, right even now, even the LA four. Clippers, who are only two games over five hundred, are still in it. Yeah, three the games Clippers over, are four. Yeah. The four, yeah, they're virtually tied with the Clippers, who seem to just have no motivation to be a great team. Um, <laughs> yeah, so actually looking at that, you know, they could easily. I don't know if they'll catch Memphis. But they could easily be the third seed or the fourth seed. Um, and so that sets up. That's interesting. And, you know, you wonder now, you look at the Lakers trade, which they did They did well for themselves. There's no doubt about it. But what are the, I'm not sure the Lakers are still much better than a playing team on the back of the West themselves. So you, you look at what the Suns did, it, it, it almost makes the – the lake is a very, very secondary story as, you know, just kind of still a middling team um, that got better, but I, I, I wouldn't put them in contender status, especially with what happened with the Suns yesterday. Yeah, what makes it tough on the Lakers is that they're probably four games under five hundred right now, and I think the 11th seed. So they, uh, they're up 13th seed. Yeah, so they, they're really they're – really, it's a uphill battle for them. And I think they have the talent to get in, and I certainly – if I'm Denver, I'm hoping – really hoping that the Lakers don't get in. And if I'm Memphis, I'm hoping for that because I would not want to face that lineup for my first round of the playoffs. Uh, 
I think they could make some noise if LeBron and AD are healthy and locked in. Now they're surrounded by guys who can defend and shoot the ball. They, they could be scary. I would never count them out. I'll, I'll just say that. Yeah, I, I, I don't think they have as much shooting as you think, but, you know, well, I guess we'll see how that works out. I, 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 it was a good move for them. Russell's a good player. He's not played great this year, but he's a good player. I understand why Utah made it. They get a, um, you know, it's a top four protected pick from 2027 that would convert into two seconds. But if it's not top four, trading that for Michael Conley seems like a no-brainer. And then, um, you know, Minnesota's Minnesota's the head-scratcher in that deal. Um, Gave up so much. Yeah. Yeah, he really gave up so much. And um, Beasley and Vanderbilt are going over there. Vanderbilt's a good player. Um, Beasley's a bit of a head case. So if things don't go well there, you you wonder what it will look like. Um, But on the whole, um, interesting day yesterday. You also mentioned Jacob Porto going to the – the Raptors, um, who, you know, as it relates to the Celtics, was a target or was rumored to be a target. Um, and he went for, for Kareem Birch a first and two seconds. So that's a lot. Um, I know you said it wasn't much. I, I think that's I think that's a decent amount when you especially when you throw in the two seconds in, in a first round picks. So I think San Antonio did quite well for themselves. I, I, I can't tell what Toronto's doing if they're in it for a rebuild or if they are um they are actually in this thing uh you know you know they bring it they, they treated it like a buyer yesterday but they're also rumored to be a seller so maybe they're both where they are with their team um Poto would have been a good player for the celtics i'm sure he'd prefer toronto where there's going to be a lot more playing time especially if yep. al and um williams are healthy i mean if al and williams williams are healthy rob williams there's a chance that Jacob Proto will come here and get DMP'd in the playoffs. I, I think there's a real chance that. Um, so he would have been great security. Whether he's worth a first and two seconds when you don't have a lot of draft capital left um, is a whole other discussion. There's definitely an yeah. argument to be made that that would be worth the risk. There's definitely an argument to be made that you know, if it doesn't work out and he's gone in a half season, you spent a lot of money for a guy that didn't contribute at all in the play. Yeah, so on, it, on it, of, it's interesting. On top of that, the Celtics would have had to give it up more because Toronto's assets are better because they're a worse team. So right. two, two second round picks for the Celtics don't equal to what Toronto gave up. I, I do find it interesting trade for Toronto. They've been lacking size at the center position for a long time. So you would think this is a guy they plan on locking up for the future. So I, I do expect- too. I think this is long-term. <laughs> I would expect an extension there. What do you think the, uh, what do you, what do you think Brad's strategy going into the trade deadline is for today? And I apologize about the coughing, Jim. You can mute me when I'm not talking if you need to, but, uh, I'd be interested to hear your thoughts on what you think the Celtics strategy is for uh, for the trade deadline today. I don't know. I, I think they'd like to grab a wing. What's available, I'm not sure. So, you know, I have no interest in Mo Bamba, especially giving up anything to get him. I, I just don't think he's a very good player. I think he thinks he's way better offensively than he really is. 
Um, he would have to come in here and realize he'd be a fifth option in the offense. Uh, I, I, I don't know if he can handle that at this point in his career. I think he's a shitty defender. In one in terms of team defense, I'm not sure he'd be able to grasp the concepts or willingly wanting to grasp the concepts here. You know, you watch him play in Orlando, and it none of it seems to really line up with um, team basketball when he's on the floor. But he has moments and flashes, don't get me wrong, but I, I just – he would be a disaster in the playoffs. So to give up something for him would make no sense to me. Um Unless you see him as a long-term project, which I, I really don't. I just don't. This is a team that's contending for a championship, so that doesn't yeah. make a lot of sense to me either. Uh, so what's left out there for bigs, um, I'm not really sure. You know, I don't think there's a hell of a lot left. Uh, it, it, maybe you can get a, a guy in the back end of a roster for a second-round pick, and you, you go in that direction to give yourself some insurance. Um you know, maybe, and I'm hoping maybe you have some names because I, I, you know, I, I don't think there's, I don't, I, I'm not seeing anything on my radar that I say, oh, this is worth giving up draft capital or, or, or valuable assets for when the Celtics don't have much left to begin with. As far yeah, as wings, go ahead, Mike. Uh, one guy I just, I've had an eye on for a while since really the beginning of the season is Mason Plumley. I think he'd be a great fit on the That's Celtics. a great name. Yeah. Good job. Yeah. Yeah. He's yeah so that a, would be. Oh, sorry. Uh, he's having a great year statistically. The guy still can't shoot free throws, but he, from what I remember from him in Denver playing next to a really good big. So if he was in that Al Horford role where he got to play next to Rob or Al or even by himself, he passes the ball so well on the offensive end, and he's just an active, active player. And I think that makes up for his lack of talent sometimes, just with his effort and his his ability on the on the defensive glass. I think could make a difference for the Celtics in areas where they struggled last year in the postseason. Now, I will say this: there might be a team willing to give up a first round pick in the twenty twenty three or twenty twenty four draft. For Mason Plumley, if that happens, I don't think the Celtics can get him. But if the yeah, Celtics can I, offer, I'd be surprised. Yeah, if the Celtics can get a deal for him, similar to what the Bulls offered to Orlando for Vucevic two years ago, three second round picks. Where you look at the Celtics have four second round picks over the next two years. That's a deal I would make because I don't, I don't really believe in second round picks and what they give you. I think I'd be surprised. To, I'd be surprised if it would. T- Take that much. I, he's a good player, right. but he's expired. He's an expiring contract. Um, I'm not sure if he gets the mid-level. Yeah, you know, probably would get like a mid, taxpayer mid-level from someone in the offseason. But he he's not gonna. He's not a type of guy that breaks the bank. Um, he's more of the traditional five, and those guys, you know, just aren't as valued as much anymore. Right. Uh, I, I I I think he would be really good insurance. Um, if Rob can't go, you know, um, it's a, obviously a huge drop-off, but he would be good insurance. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if you could get him for maybe a couple seconds or, you know, a really protected first that converts into seconds. Seconds, yeah. A second if, if it doesn't work out, you know, something along those lines. Um, and, you know, his contract does match up 
with Gallinari and Pritchard, um, or just Gallinari potentially there. Um, uh, you know, so that's a possibility. Um, I think from the Celtics perspective, you look at it as, you know, what you think is Rob's uh, availability and how much of an upgrade do you think he is over Cornette? Um, and I think he's a good upgrade over Cornette. I don't think it's significant. I think it's good. Um, so I think that's a venture worth looking at. And then you have the wings. And obviously, Charlotte, we've talked about P.J. Washington. Um, you know, you get Kelly Oubre over there. I forget the other kid's name right now. You know, Kyle Anderson's name's been mentioned yeah. um, as a possibility. Um, so, you know, I think Brad will be hunted in that direction as the day goes on. Um, wing depth, to me, seems um, kind of more important right now, especially with Brown being out, and it can help you get through the regular season. I think the guys available aren't going to be too costly. I, oh, but P.J. Washington would be, so maybe you know that's a different conversation, and maybe he's worth it. Um, you know, I look at the center position and after last night, what Grant did and, you know, Cornette's been okay. How much is it worth giving up for guys that, you know, you might see in the bio market in 48 hours anyways. Right. Yeah. So, you know, it's, it's an interesting spot. And you, you are right. When we've been texting, so listeners know what I'm talking about. What teams are giving up, the Celtics can afford. To me, what the question is, not whether they can afford it, it's more of, is the guy worth it? Yeah. And my bar for whether they're worth it or not is, are they a playoff contributor? So if you're going to give up a first-round pick and you have the Celtics where you don't have many left, right. the guy better be a, a contributor. You know, Kelly Olenek is a guy that I would – Field, no matter what, whether you have Rob or not, is going to see some playoff minutes. And, and we know he can perform in the playoffs. We've seen it. So, yep. you, you know, he's a guy that perhaps is worth it. Um, other guys, it's 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 less of a sure thing that we're, they're going to get minutes and, and they'll, you know, they'll bring you that value back that you need. And if that's the case, maybe you just wait for the buyout market. Maybe you wait to see if Will Barton's available. Maybe you wait to see if Mason Plumley is available, et cetera, and, and kind of go from there. Yeah, I wonder, just looking at Brooklyn's situation right now, I know T. Crowder's been really tied to Milwaukee. Mm-hmm. But I wonder, I wonder if a guy like Royce O'Neal might be available now. Um, I, I kind of look at, with this Phoenix trade, that the Celtics made when you look at wing depth, going back to your original point in the pod, a big defensive wing makes more sense now where I was really all kind of on the offensive bandwagon watching where this offense has been going, but to match up against some of the wings in the West, like a Booker and a Durant, having another guy off your bench who's just kind of a bigger body wing who can defend and maybe hit an open three, Maybe the type of wing that doesn't cost you too much. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it'd be interesting um, to see who's actually kind of, you know, available right now. Um, 
I'm, I'm actually going on Twitter to see if there's been any notifications or rumors, and it doesn't seem like you know much kind of is kind of happening there right now. Um, and well, how they match up, you know, I, I know we've talked about the offense struggling a lot. Um, you know, their point guard, the Celtics point guard, Marcus Smart, has has also been out for quite a bit here, and and he's really been part of the engine of this offense, and he's been, you know. You could make an argument that he's been one of the better um, point guards in the league when healthy this year. So what does that look like? I do want to kind of touch on Peyton Pritchard. Um, shut up, dude. Seriously, right, he, shut did the, he, shut, did he talk again? Shut up. He talked again yesterday about like how he would like his opportunity. And I understand he, he wants that. I do. But at best, at best on another team, you're you're still a backup point guard. You, you're not a guy that should be talking. You're a 25th pick that got a lot of run last year, did well with it. You know, you've done okay with your opportunities this year. You're behind better players, and you're under team control for the next two seasons. The Celtics... Maybe they'd like to have him as a piece to bring something back or give him an opportunity, but they should not trade him for the sake of trading him. Yeah, he's good. He's good insurance right now in a position where you have some injury history, and and he's a piece for the off season when you don't have a lot of pieces. So I, I, I he's not good enough to be going on podcasts and speaking to the press. And talking about what he wants the team to do with him. He's just not that type of player. Um, honestly, shut up. You know, this is a team that's contending for a championship. Um, you know, this is just the trade deadline. There's the offseason where they could look to do something. You have every right to talk to the ownership and front office through your agent about stuff like this. But going to the press, you look like an asshole. That's, that's my opinion. He, he's not a veteran guy. You look like an asshole. Well, it's interesting because it, it felt like last night they just weren't going to play him and that he got some run. I thought his on-the-ball defense made a difference the last two games, actually. But I, I, I was looking at that last night like, wow, he must be getting traded because they're really thin for him not to be getting minutes right now. I had no idea he came out and spoke again. I didn't like it when he went on Andre Iguodala's podcast. Yeah. You're going on the podcast of a guy who beat you at the NBA Finals last year talking about you want to get traded? Like, what's that about? Uh, I thought that was a bad look. Uh, I don't know what his value is in the trade market. I wouldn't trade him if I'm not getting something back that makes he's, sense. He's a back. He's a back. Yeah. God, what could his value be? He's a thrower. Yeah. For, he's, a sal- he's essentially salary filler. Um, and, and he may have more value to the Celtics because of that, depending on what you get him back. I, I, I don't disagree with his sentiment that he's good enough to play in this league and on another team he'd be getting minutes, and that is true. But you're not good enough to be continually speaking out and and you know being a distraction and a disruption. Now, I, I, I'm not sure the Celtics are bothered by it all that much, I, the players, um, but shut up. Um, I also want to hit on just a funny moment last night, Mike. I, I didn't know if you caught this with Blake Griffin. Um, 
he was at the podium after the game and they asked about if he felt disrespected for being left open. He goes, Oh no, you know, it's a strategy. Um, you know, I don't feel disrespected. He goes, you know, I, I got to make him, And I heard him. He goes, he goes in no disrespect. The call is doc rivers. And he doesn't, he doesn't really have a history of adjusting when things are going the way he plans. Oh, 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 he said that. <laughs> Yeah, it was along those lines, and I was like, "Oh, okay." Wow. Uh, there's still some animosity there, and uh, obviously, Rivers, you know, traded Blake, and you know, was his coach at the Clippers. So, um, yeah, they blew a lot of that, leads that, in LA. Yeah that that was that was kind of a funny moment last night on the podium, um, but uh, yeah. So I just want to make mention of that Um, and good for him last night coming in and filling a role and doing a good job defensively, picking up a nice charge on on Harden and hitting five threes. You know, yeah, I know he's wide open, but you got to make them. Yeah. You can tell Scouts likes him a lot too. So so Mike, go ahead. I feel like uh, the players love him. Like they, they, oh, they love so. Blake Griffin. Yeah, it's it's uh, it's funny to just see his role on the team. How he's really embraced it too. He doesn't. I don't think he cares that he doesn't play when he doesn't play. I think he, I think he just likes being part of this group. So it's, it seems like it was a nice fit. So a, a tough stretch here coming up for the Celtics. It's unfortunate that they're not going to be healthy because Milwaukee's rolling right now. I don't know how Giannis isn't in the lead for MVP. Right now, if you just look at what he's doing with all the 50-point games, I don't even mm-hmm. hear his name coming up as the MVP candidate. He's the MVP of the league right now. <laughs> I don't even think it's close with what he's been. He scored 50 points in under 30 minutes the other night. That's insane. Yeah, he's been great. We, he's been <laughs> yeah, great with these, right. with these Brooklyn moves, and I think Philly kind of shown themselves as they typically do. I think Cleveland's the young team. You know, we didn't really even touch on it, but I did, I think this is really a two-horse race now in the East with yeah. Milwaukee and the Celtics. Cleveland can make some noise. Philly can obviously make some noise, but I, I think barring injury, which is, you know, knock on wood, always um, a key factor. I, I think this has become a two-horse race in the East with those two teams. I think they're head and shoulders uh, better than everyone else and, uh, you know, anticipate um, – you know, a, a really good Eastern Conference Finals. One of these guys that I assume they're going to meet in, um, you know, in late May, early June. So, I I think that was kind of our thought going into it. I think it's more solidified now. I think also, Mike. You know, so it's it's eight twelve. So people know when we're recording on trade deadline day. And, and I think here's what we'll do if this works for you. If a trade is made, and I would say a significant one with the Celtics, um, either Mike or I will get on our phones and record quickly what our initial breakdown is and add it to this pod. Um, You know, if the Celtics are able to make a move, if they don't, we're going to close it out here in just a minute, and this will be the the end of the pod. you know, Mike, why don't we close it with predictions for today? You know, the big news in the NBA has already happened. <coughs> Kyrie's traded. Durant's traded. Jacob Podol is traded. I, I think the three best players available at the deadline outside of OG, who I guess is in Siakam, who have been floated out there. 
Um, so three of the five best players are already gone that I think were available. Um, what do you think is, is going to happen either across the league or more specifically with the Celtics? More specifically with the Celtics, I think the Celtics had two players today, but they're not players who are going to move the needle and they're not players that they're going to have to give up a lot for. I think they're going to be deaf pieces that the Celtics add to add some more size. As far as the NBA goes, I think there's going to be a lot of movement, Jim. Uh, we see this every year. I think teams at the top of the Western Conference are going to be and Bones Highlands. Names been used a lot in Denver. I don't know why they don't like him, but he seems like a trade chip for them that they want to move to bring in some more athleticism. Um, I think Memphis is going to off, uh, want to uh, look for some more offensive firepower. And then Milwaukee. I think Milwaukee's going to be looking for wing depth specifically for the Celtics. So you look at Jay Crowder. I wouldn't be surprised if they add a couple players at this deadline. And it'll be interesting if Milwaukee doesn't. I think it'll say a lot about their ownership if they don't, as far as what uh, spending looks like for them. Um, so I'm keeping an eye on Milwaukee, and I'm keeping an eye at the top of the Western Conference. Yeah, I think that makes sense. Um I, I, I do think you're going to probably see Jake Crowder end up in Milwaukee at some point today, but the dynamic does change where the, the trade talk between Milwaukee and Brooklyn could be a lot different than it was between Milwaukee and Phoenix. Um, I, I, I Bones Highlands is obviously a name. I, I think you will see some movement throughout the NBA. I'm not sold the Celtics are going to make a move. I, I, I kind of, you know, I'm wondering what their intel is on what the bio market's going to look like. You mentioned before they're going to have more money than other teams to offer players. So maybe yep. that's how they plan on filling out their depth. Um, you know, Kyle Anderson would be a guy that would definitely interest me if he really is available. I don't know if he really is or not. Um, he's always been a guy that I've liked. I, I just, I'm not sure. I'll put it this way. I do not believe they're going to make a significant move today. Um, I think their roster is pretty set. Um, I think the Celtics, whether they make a move today or not, their success is going to be um, really dependent on health. And if, if they can be healthy, they're as good as anybody, if probably better. If they're not, um, it's going to be um, it's going to be an uphill fight. So, and there's not a move out there that's you know, really changes that in any significant way. So we'll, we'll, we'll wait and see. It's always an exciting day. It's been a crazy 24 hours with the moves that I've made already and the, you know, the injury to Jalen Brown and the Celtics win. Um, and it's setting up to be a, a really exciting um, second half of the NBA season um, with, the, with the way uh, rosters are looking and positioning and things like that. With that, Mike, I don't know if you have another closing thought, but yeah, we can, yeah, just we can one close last, this thing out. One last closing thought. Another team to keep an eye on, the Chicago Bulls. They're kind of in the middle of nowhere. I think they kind of really have to try to blow this thing up and move these guys. It's going to be really hard for them to do it. Um, but there are some guys who would be nice pieces on contending teams. So uh, just my last points, keep an eye on them and, I hope. Yeah, I don't know what they're in. doing. Last last night there was a rumor Chris Hayes was out there saying that they're interested in bringing in Russell Wells Westbrook. So. Oh, oh, good. Another <laughs> another guy who can't shoot in Chicago. Really, yeah, really smart. So I'm not really sure what the hell they're doing. They're another franchise that I 
I just think it's, you know, a rudderless ship. You know, they they really yeah. seem to get in their own way all the time. And that's that's part of the problem. You look at bad teams, Mike. Yeah, I said we're going to close this out. You, you look at bad teams, and they're bad usually for a reason. And you get to deadline day, and you should say this player should be available, that player should be available. And how often do we see those teams not make the moves they should, not yeah. trade the guys they should, and bring in capital? I mean, I know Harrison Bonds has been good for Sacramento, but they're a really good young team. Don't you think they would have been better off with a you know getting some picks or time in years past and have more good young players to that core right now and that young exciting team that's out there? Um, there's a reason why franchises continue to struggle, and, and that's another thing that makes doing the deal today difficult. Yeah, well, Sacramento should be trying to send Harrison Barnes and picks for OG. That's what I would be doing. All right, Jim. Yeah. Well, hopefully we'll be logging in. Later on today with some significant move that are going to put the Celtics over the top. Thank you, listeners, and have a fun trade deadline Thursday. Take care, everyone. The Boston Celtics uh, acquired Mike Muscala around 12 o'clock, three hours before the deadline. Um, This is kind of an added uh, addition to our latest pod. Uh, Quickly, it's a depth piece. The best thing about this deal is that the team has an option for him for next year at $3.5 million, so it's short money. Um, Their Celtics tax bill goes up by about $7 million um, this season, so you can see quickly how that tax bill adds up. Uh, But having him under control at short money is a good thing. He adds depth for the rest of the regular season. Um, Certainly is a guy that can spell... Horford and Williams and some wear and tear down the stretch. He's a 40% three-point shooter that has pretty good range. Um, a big physical kid around 6'11". Uh, has been around the league for a while. Uh, and, you know, definitely helps at a position that lacked a little depth behind uh, Luke Cornett. Uh, I don't see him as a playoff contributor. If he is, that means something has really gone wrong health-wise for the Celtics. So let's hope that's not the case. Um but on the on the whole, an okay move. Um, I, I you know I, if you're looking to save minutes for those guys, which I, I think should be somewhat of a priority. With three hours left into the deadline, the Celtics still have Gallinari's uh, uh, traded um, taxpayer salary, which is about eight million, nine million, and uh, paid to purchase uh, three million um, that they can put on the books to try to acquire some backup wing. Um, I, I'm a little skeptical of whether that will happen. I see it more as a, a bio market option for the Celtics to to look for that position. Um, the other uh, news that I think impacts the Celtics, Jay Crowder uh, sent over to Milwaukee. Uh, Milwaukee last year in the playoffs lacked any type of uh, wing depth at all, a larger wing depth to defend uh, likes of um, Tatum and Brown. I'm not sure... Uh, what Crowder has left in the tank in order to do that, but it, it's he's probably still a better option than Grayson Allen and Pat Connaughton when you look at think about guys that need to get out and, and, and guard um, Tatum and Brown. So that's where we la- land right now. It's uh, 1 o'clock, two hours to the deadline, and uh, we'll see if the Celtics make another move.